A prologue to today's story. We have been asking Cowboys players to tell us stories about their time as Dallas Cowboys. Some of these players played in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, and some are on the team today. But this will be the first story told to us by one of the two most influential people in the Cowboys organization. Stephen Jones is the Chief Financial Officer of the Dallas Cowboys and the Director of Player Personnel. He, along with the GM and owner Jerry Jones, oversee and orchestrate almost everything, including trades and key free agent signings. Today we asked Stephen to tell us about his role in two of the biggest trades in NFL history. We begin with the addition of Charles Haley to the 1992 Dallas Cowboys team. I couldn't control my emotions and the anger and the hate came out. You know, they cut Ronnie at the at the Pro Bowl. I was right there with Ronnie when he got cut. They they humiliated him. And I couldn't forgive him for that. So whatever I had to do to get out, I did. George said the last straw was when I told him I wasn't gonna go to London or, or Japan or wherever they was going and um when they got back, they told me, just go home. And then I went home, and, and they said I was traded to the Dallas Cowboys. That's the familiar voice of Hall of Fame defensive end Charles Haley, who had won two Super Bowls in San Francisco, but was not seeing eye-to-eye eye with his head coach, George Seifert, for various reasons, including the one you heard, that his closest friend on the team and future Hall of Fame safety Ronnie Lott had been told he would no longer be a 49er, and that news was passed to him, ironically, at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Another Haley confidant was Joe Montana, who, after winning four Super Bowls, was being pushed out of his job by an up-and-coming Steve Young. That pissed Charles off, too, so he wanted out of San Francisco. And maybe the strangest twist in all of this was that the 49ers were shopping Charles Haley and they were willing to trade him to their biggest competition in the NFC, the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers, McVay, and Seifert had called, and of course we were trying to get over the hump in terms of taking the next step. Felt like we had a really good team on the offensive side of the ball, but really thought we were missing that pass rusher. That's the voice of Stephen Jones, the CFO and VP of Player Personnel for the Dallas Cowboys. And as you know, the Dallas Cowboys are often referred to as America's team. But there was also always that old adage that the hole in the roof at Texas Stadium was put there so God could watch his favorite team. And in some ways, looking back on this very unlikely trade of Charles Haley to the Cowboys from the 49ers, well, God must have been involved somehow. I mean, how else can you explain it? Whatever you believe, the Cowboys led by Jerry Jones and his son Stephen Jones, who it should be noted was in the middle of this high-level acquisition representing the most famous team in the world while he was still in his 20s. Stephen and his chemical engineering degree were just settling into reading drill logs and laying grades on what those drills were unearthing for the Jones family oil business when his father called and said, come help me run the Cowboys. As you might expect, the team of Jones and Jones jumped at the opportunity to add a freak athlete to their fast young team that they felt was on the verge of greatness. But this was a decision that needed some careful thought. You know, we ended up getting into, you know, a good discussion about whether we should make a trade for Charles or not. I have a feeling that NFL fans outside of San Francisco were probably not aware of the dichotomy between the physical talents of Charles and the personal daily challenges for Charles. But I assume that you and Jerry were. They were upfront that he was certainly a challenge for them to the point where they needed to trade him. 
from a chemistry standpoint, just feel like it's best uh, for us to move on. And normally, they'd never trade a player of his caliber. There was obviously a mutual respect between the 49ers and the Cowboys front offices for them to be so transparent about their need to trade Charles. That honesty, no doubt, led to intense discussions within the walls of Valley Ranch. But Jerry Jones hadn't made it this far by being cautious. He believed in his inner core and trusted them to make things work. Jerry was in, but Steven and Jimmy and the coaching staff were the ones who really had to decide if this piece to the puzzle was worth the gamble. Now, I think overall, he was pretty much 100% with Jerry. I remember even Jerry went to get him at the airport when we finally made the trade. I come on, hands stick off. Hi, I'm Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome to Dallas. I learned all the stories from Arkansas to the Cowboys, how much money you would lose. First impressions in business often mean everything. Jerry was going to make a good first impression with Charles. He was going to show him how happy he was to have him in a Cowboys uniform and he was going to impress upon him just how much he had invested in his new football team. He wanted Charles to go from the team of the 80s to the team of the 90s. So Jerry was all in. Oh, and the new voice is the Hall of Famer himself, Charles Haley, who has told his version of this story a few times, once to me. Jerry being all in on Charles was no surprise. He was a risk taker at heart, but the challenge of Charles on a daily basis would fall to Stephen Jones, Jimmy Johnson, and his coaching staff. <laughs> Jimmy just felt uh, good that he could handle him. Felt like we had a great group that could lead with Charles. There was the rub. The 1991 Cowboys had won 11 games, and the entire league knew they were a fast, young, talented team that was getting ready to be a force. So adding talent to a team that's already feeling their oats can be ticklish, especially if that person is a day-to-day -day challenge from a personality standpoint. There were already plenty of egos in the room, led by Jimmy, Emmett, Michael, and Ken Norton Jr., just to name a few. Can an outlandish personality with off-the-charts talent fit into your group? Will the group let him in? You know, between guys like uh, Michael Irvin and Eric Williams and Tony Tolbert, Ken Norton, we had a really strong group, you know, could handle Charles and... <laughs> His, his indiscretions, if you will. So, after plenty of teeth gnashing at Valley Ranch, the Cowboys decided that adding more speed and more talent and taking away a great player from the 49ers was worth the risk. The upside was just too great to pass up. What if Charles is the final piece? But what if he interrupts the chemistry and turns this team upside down? So I put my uniform on. You know, they go between the 50 and the 30 to stretch. I went all the way back to the end zone, and I'm sitting back there because you know what? I got to visualize what I'm going to do to that ass, and let me tell you, it won't go be nice. And if there was concern about Charles fitting in, well, the concern was validated because Charles found a grudge against some of his new teammates on his first day. I'm sitting back there, and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and them looking, going like, what the hell have we done? <laughs> They go like, hey, this is the first day to me. I know he going like, oh my God, <laughs> is this guy, I got to do this the whole year? Charles did clash with several of his teammates throughout that first year. But when a team realizes that they have a chance to do great things, they tend to put grievances among themselves aside. The leaders see to that. Plus, Charles wasn't the only new face in 1992. They once again had a wonderful draft that brought in cornerback Kevin Smith, linebacker Robert Jones, plus safety Darren Woodson, and they added safety Thomas Everett. 
The Cowboys started the season 8-1 and one and went on to win 13 games, then whipped the Eagles in the divisional round of the playoffs, and then almost predictably they faced the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And they beat them 30-20 with the defense harassing Steve Young with three sacks and an interception, plus forcing a Ricky Waters fumble. The Cowboys were in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1978. And Charles Haley to this day gets a great amount of credit for that push, that final push, that the defense needed. Jerry will say to this day, it's, you know, it's a trade more than any, maybe even more than Herschel that put us over the top in terms of uh, taking that last step. What Jerry loves to tell us media guys is, quote, we couldn't spell Super Bowl until we traded for Charles and that we don't win those three Super Bowls and become the team of the 90s without that move. Trading for Charles really put us over the top in terms of having the caliber of defense that we needed to win a championship. Three world championships in four years for the team of the 90s. Quite possibly the best gathering of talent that the NFL has ever seen. But how many discussions did it take internally, Stephen, to be ready for number 94? We were eyes wide open. We knew we were getting a handful, and they were pretty open about it. Timing is everything, it turns out, and the timing of a phone call from the 49ers to the Dallas Cowboys offering up a stubborn star might seem even serendipitous, except for the fact that the Cowboys were on the lookout for help on the pass-rushing front. At the end of the day, uh, we knew what we were getting into. We were all in for it. Uh, Jimmy was all in. The team was all in. I think Jimmy covered his basis with the Michaels and the Troys and the Tolberts and the uh, Nortons and so on and so forth, and, uh, you know, we just felt like it was a rare opportunity to get a great player, knowing good and well we were going to have challenges. Certain players are worth it, and most aren't. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting Cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com Cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing the star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going bank of america is proud to be the official bank of the dallas cowboys and to support the quest of living life the cowboys way copyright 2020 bank of america corporation want to use what the pros use how about the official men's skincare brand of the dallas cowboys jack black right now you can get the jack black starter a curated collection of cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping the starter includes four jack black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word team jb that's getjackblack.com cowboys the jack black starter 10 bucks free shipping honey big news gary are you okay oh i'm not gary anymore i'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. 
Most times in the NFL, draft picks have actually defined organizations. Drafting Roger Staubach with a 10th round pick when he had five more years left on his commitment to the Navy helped turn the Cowboys into America's team. Drafting Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, and Emmett Smith in a two-year period gave the Cowboys the triplets and three more Super Bowls. But in rare times, the big trade, orchestrated under tremendous scrutiny with the pressure of time laying on an organization's back, has also helped write an amazing script for an NFL team. In this case, the team of Jerry, Steven, and Jimmy did it with two trades. They moved Herschel Walker, the great running back, which brought a mass of talent in a short period of time, and then they followed it with the addition of Charles Haley. At the end of the day, you know what we think of him. He's still around our complex quite often, and I uh, just thank the world of Charles and would do it again and again and again. Very few trades for big-time expensive players result in an organization saying, we do it again and again and again. Very few. But Charles Haley's love for football and for winning far outweighed any issues that he made the Cowboys deal with in his five years in Dallas. When it came time to, to play and to compete and play at the highest of levels, he played hurt. He just did everything that was asked of him and certainly a, you know, a, a truly great player. How, how did he get a Hall of Fame type player for the second round pick? For the Cowboys and their magical five-year run of winning three Super Bowls, the answer was twice. The second one is coming up in just a moment. You know, at the end of the day, most of those guys were, even though they had their challenges at times uh, off the field, they were such competitors on the field. And all of them, the one thing you could say about them is they came to work, they came to practice every day to be great. Uh, now, uh, did they cut loose uh, once they left that building? Absolutely. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, that's part of what made it. I'll never forget David Hill told Jerry. He said, uh, Jerry called David and said, oh, I know, I know. You're thinking, you know, with Michael's deal and Charles's deal and Eric Williams, and I'm, I'm going to get my hands around that. He said, oh, don't do that, Jerry. That's part of the soap opera. He said, that's what makes it all the more fun to cover you guys. Don't take all the fun out of it. Now that group of comments needs its own podcast, or maybe even a movie, because David Hill that Stephen refers to was the executive producer of Fox Sports in the 1990s. He was first hired by Rupert Murdoch to run 21st Century Fox in the late 80s, and he was majorly involved in Fox Sports stepping up and winning the bid to televise the NFL on Fox by pushing aside CBS. Fox was so edgy in those days that a brief conversation was actually had to assure the NFL owners that indeed Fox would not have Bart Simpson doing play-by-play -play for any of their games. Bart and Homer and the X-Files were really the best-known programs on Fox at the time, which had zero sports. They started with the NFL, and Jerry and Steven were big proponents of them bringing new blood and excitement to their league. I know you're going to ask me about Dion and bringing that personality to the group. When talking about the Cowboys trades, you may have heard me say twice when talking about making big-time acquisitions that helped the Cowboys win Super Bowls. Charles was one, the other was Deion Sanders. Primetime honed his skills at Florida State University before making a giant splash in the NFL with the Falcons of Atlanta. In 1994, he was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in San Francisco. It was the 49ers that ended the Cowboys' run of Super Bowls at two straight, led by Deion Sanders at cornerback. He was the best player in the league that year. He played a big role in uh, 
being a part of how the 49ers beat us that day. But as Bill Parcells would say, they were up 21 nothing before the tubas were even in their cases. My first year there, we wouldn't have been down 21 to nothing in the first five minutes. We might have won that game. In 1994, the two-time defending Super Bowl champion Cowboys went for a three-peat. And they did it with that new voice you heard as their head coach, Barry Switzer. Coach Switzer had won three national championships in dominant fashion at the University of Oklahoma, and he was a longtime friend of the Jones family. He took over in 1994 after Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones agreed to, shockingly, part ways. Switzer led those 94 Cowboys to a 12-4 record and right back to the NFC Championship game, again against the 49ers. Only this time, despite a valiant comeback effort by the Cowboys, the 49ers won 38-28. During that painful offseason, as fate or luck would have it, the Cowboys once again had an opportunity to snatch a game-changing player from their hated rivals and to add him to their championship mix in 1995. But now there was a salary cap in the NFL, and the days of collecting the most talent and paying them the most money were simply over. Primetime was a free agent, and he wouldn't come cheaply to the Cowboys. You know, one thing we did see is Dion was the difference in that 49er team that year, and of course, Jerry being the competitor he is, and uh, Barry, of course, uh, just said, are you kidding me? If we can get our hands on that guy, then, you know, we'll not only make the 49ers weaker, but we'll be, you know, immensely better. San Francisco and us were the two best teams in the NFL at that time. Deion Sanders' 1994 season included six interceptions that he returned for over 300 yards. Three of them went to the house for touchdowns. He also returned kicks and punts and could potentially line up at wide receiver. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, as we mentioned, and was an unusual force on the football field from the cornerback position. He was a shutdown corner. After the 49ers beat the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game, Dion finished off their Super Bowl win with an interception in the end zone against the Chargers to seal their Super Bowl victory. And now, Dion was a free agent, and Jerry Jones was in line with his hand up. You know, Jerry for the most part, left the negotiations on a lot of these contracts, the detailed negotiations up to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in this particular case, you know, we got on the phone talking to the player and selling the player on Dallas. And, of course, we got on the phone with Eugene. And so we decided we'd meet at the mansion in Dallas away from the complex because we didn't want all the moving parts that might come with that. And, if, you know, they saw that Eugene was in town. Eugene Parker was becoming a big-time name in the sports agency business. He is known by many to be the first African-American lawyer to make his way into the business, and his reputation was fantastic. He was known for his integrity and his straightforward approach to getting his clients signed with the teams that they wanted to play for. The Cowboys decided they wanted to keep Eugene's presence in Dallas from the leering press until things went one way or another. Eugene said he had a uh, had a deal that he thought would work for us. And, of course, we just signed Michael, Emmett, and Troy. And uh, part of negotiation there with all three of those guys was you can all three hold us up for more. But if we want to keep the team together in this salary cap era, you know, we need everybody not to just max out here. Stephen Jones is the CFO, and he had spent countless days and months negotiating with a core of the skill position players on the Cowboys offense to think of the team and to understand that the new salary cap was not going to allow them to give everyone max money. If they wanted to keep winning Super Bowls, they needed to be team players with their salaries too. 
a very tough sell. All too often, Steven has been reminded through the years that the salary cap is, quote, not the player's problem. They don't care. They want their money, and it's his job to figure it out. But he got Troy, Emmett, and Michael to come his way a little bit for the good of the team. That's one of his jobs, and it's no doubt a tough sell. Part of my issue with Jerry was we've got to be careful here. You know, after we've really traded tough with Troy and Michael and Emmett, that we don't, uh, you know, open the books to Dion and here Michael and Troy and Emmett are a big part of why we're sitting here today. He agreed with that. Jerry heard Stephen and he understood his consternation with jumping in on Dion Sanders because it was going to be expensive. And in the end, it was probably going to cost more money in some fashion to get Dion than Stephen had just convinced Troy, Emmett, and Michael to take. He said, be working on some ideas and add your pencil sharp because Eugene's got a deal that he wants us to look at. Really good agents like Eugene Parker was will be diligent in knowing where the team is with their salary cap, who has big money coming, when is other money falling off the books, all that sort of thing. They come ready with a proposal that they think a team like the Cowboys will be able to make work as it pertains to their finances. How it works as it pertains to the star players already on the team, well, that may be another issue. Well, Jerry went in that room and he, boy, it seemed like eternity, but I think he was in there an hour and a half or so. It seemed all night. And then he comes back and he said, Stephen, I think you've got a deal. He's run it by the union, the league. Uh, it all worked. It's so cat friendly for us. We can get under the cap. It works. And he said, pretty much we've agreed to it. And of course, I said, what do you mean you've agreed to it? I said, we can't do that. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25 horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. 
Stephen didn't know exactly what the deal was yet, but he knew it wasn't the best deal because he hadn't been able to see it and counter it and examine it as it pertains to the Cowboys cap, not to mention how it pertains to the other players on the team. He wasn't happy. He said, let me say, do you see any problems with these? showing it to me and I'm looking at it and going through it all and I said well it works but I said we didn't even address this with Troy and Mike and he said well I'll handle that tomorrow morning and he goes I'll tell you Gene as long as my guys are all good with it we got a deal. If you were the CFO and EVP of player personnel the Cowboys and a deal had been struck while you were not in the room you wouldn't be happy either so Stephen persisted. Let's negotiate. Let me get in here and do some things. He said, you don't understand. I think he's got this deal at other places. Any salesman's job is to make sure that you feel like you need to hurry up and say yes to their fantastic deal before someone else scoops you on it. Eugene Parker had succeeded in doing his job in that room with Jerry Jones. Jerry had visions of more Super Bowls and knew he had Steven on his side to, quote, work his magic with his sharp pencil. And he knew he could work his magic on Troy, Mike, and Emmett. He starts walking out the door, and this is the part he loves to tell, is I kind of stopped him and kind of put my arm out and pushed him up again. He said, what are you going to do, hit me? I said, no, sir, I'm not going to hit you. But I go, let's talk. He said, Stephen, you don't understand. This deal's done. <laughs> so I finally backed off and I said, okay. And he said, believe me, I understand what you're concerned about, how hard you work to, you know, get this cap in the right place with Troy, Michael, and Emmett. He goes, but I'm going to work with them on this. And he said, if they got pushed back, then we'll tell Eugene we'll have to talk about it. Back to Stephen and Jerry's days in the oil fields. You know, sometimes the logs that Stephen had to study so hard said, you drill the hole. And sometimes they said, you don't drill the hole. And sometimes you just want there to be a glory hole so badly that maybe you rush into things. Stephen's job was to prevent drilling a hole that just had to be filled back up with water. But Jerry had already decided he was digging up some prime time. Jerry gets in the team meeting and said, hey, this is a lot of money we're paying Dion. He says, anybody not want him? And of course, you know, everybody was fired up about getting him. And, uh, you know, because everybody was in the want to win a championship. And they knew what Dion could mean to the team. And uh, the rest was history. Eugene Parker had written a smart contract. It paid his client, Dion Sanders, the highest upfront bonus ever paid in the NFL $12.999 million. It's an odd number, but Jerry Jones is superstitious about the number 13. The contract was a seven-year deal that paid Sanders, however, the league minimum for his actual yearly salary. They ultimately came up with the Dion rule where you couldn't do a contract like that again. And it's the Dion rule based on this contract. Once they examined it, the NFL knew the contract written by Parker and the Cowboys was an obvious circumvention of the salary cap. But it was well thought out and it played just barely inside the lines as far as the rules were concerned. But it only happened once. Sanders played five years for the Cowboys, and he did help them win that third Super Bowl of the 90s. You know, the longer we talked, the more intrigued I became about Steven's job. I found myself trying to put myself in his shoes as we went along. And I had to ask him about having a pivot from a non-salary cap league that he worked under in his first four years as the CFO of the Cowboys to now a hard cap league. That massive adjustment, it just had to have sucked. We had so many great players assembled, no matter how. You figured you couldn't fit it all. 
the good news for me and for Jerry, as opposed to a George Young in New York or a Bill Polian or a Charles Cassidy, I'd only been in the league for a couple of years when the new CBA hit. So it wasn't like teaching an old dog new tricks, which can be hard. You know, the cap itself was uh, something that was probably a lot easier for us to digest than other teams because they had general managers and, you know, had never dealt with the cap before and had been in the league for 25, 30 years. Great players like Ken Norton Jr. and Jim Jeffcoat ended up on other teams because of the new salary cap. The Cowboys had so many premium players on those early 90s teams, they all deserved to be paid a high price, and Steven and Jerry had to make hard decisions to let players they knew were really good, who had been great Cowboys, leave. Mark Stepnoski was Troy Aikman's friend and his Pro Bowl center. He was allowed to leave. Alvin Harper was the wide receiver on the opposite side of the playmaker. He left too. The NFL was changing, but the focus for Steven and Jerry Jones has been the same since February 25th, 1989. Unless you win it, you're disappointed. The harder yeah. thing for me to digest is how long it's been since we've been, you know, we've been to championship games and Super Bowls. That just eats at you. And I know it eats at Jerry. Is, you know, what are we doing wrong here? When the Cowboys aren't threatening to win a championship, those of us in the media spend our days breaking down the players and the coaches and the ownership giving the fans a preponderance of evidence as best we can that may answer their question, why isn't my team playing as well as I want them to? The absolute constant on this Cowboys team since 1989 has been that they are always trying to win. There is no rebuilding year, only reloading. And yes, I'm sure you're glad to hear that it keeps Steven and Jerry up at nights when they aren't. Thank you, Steven Jones, for taking us back a bit and reminding us why we are true fans of the Dallas Cowboys. Boom.